0: Welcome to First Line. my name is Aubrey Ann Jackson and I'm a recently graduated physician starting my PGY1 year as a psychiatry resident this summer. In this podcast, we discuss whole person health and wellness through an osteopathic lens, holistically addressing the body, mind, and spirit. We also discuss topics important to medical trainees, including pre-med students, medical students, and residents. Thanks for joining me. hello my pre-med friends i hope you're enjoying episodes that i've been uploading about tips for applying to medical school i really wish i got this episode out sooner but i'm hoping that it can still help applicants for this current cycle if you're applying in a future year this is still going to be helpful So this is just one aspect of the medical school application. So I encourage you to listen to some of my other episodes that go more in depth into the application itself, as well as the personal statement and the timeline for what you should be doing each month to prepare for applying to medical school. So when you're making your school list, I first want to draw attention to the medical school admission requirements portal, which is also known as MSR. This you can subscribe to. I'm pretty sure it's $28 for your subscription to be able to see the median MCAT and median GPA for any MD program in the country. But even if you are not going to subscribe, there's still a free version of it. And this is run by the AAMC. So it's gonna be the full list and you can filter it by location, if they accept out-of-state applicants. And then you can also filter by class size, if it's public versus private, if it's urban, suburban, rural. When you look at each individual profile, it will tell you the location, if it's private, public, the application deadline how many students they accept, and also the tuition. So if you pay for subscriber-only content, then you can actually look at the median MCAT, median GPA. You can add programs to your favorites list, and you can also compare programs. If you click on the profile, it can tell you more information, like the year that they were founded, uh, when classes begin, How many letters of recommendation, the minimum and the maximum letters of recommendation that are accepted, if they have a secondary application and how much that application costs. If you have a subscriber view, you can look at interview information. It will say if the MCATs are required and what the oldest date of the MCAT that they accept is. And to let you know about this so, private versus public typically, public. Schools will prioritize in-state applicants. So if you are from Pennsylvania, you want to stay in Pennsylvania, you probably have a higher chance of getting into a public Pennsylvania school than a private one or a private school in a different state or a public school in a different state and the schools that you have the lowest chance of getting into is those public schools from different states typically but this website will tell you if they do have a preference for in state versus out of state and typically the private ones will not have a preference of course you can still apply to those schools that are private or public in a different state just know that your highest yield is probably going to be those public schools in your state or any private school that does not have a preference for NC applicants. In subscriber-only, they show you more information, deposit information, waitlist information, selection factors. Anyone can see the matriculant demographics and then the matriculant states and countries of where, where people are coming from, which is really helpful to see if people have been accepted in your state. So... When you're starting your list, if you have a location preference, that helps to narrow it down. You know, if you want to stay in your same state, or if you have a certain region of the country that you prefer, then it helps to knock down your list quite a bit to only be looking at those schools. If you don't have any preference, then it does widen you a lot more. Then maybe you want to look a little bit more in depth into each program's website. And you also want to think about urban, suburban, rural. So this website has a ton of data. Again, this is only for MD programs. But I think if you're applying um, through MCAS, then this is a really great site to use. And I'd say it is worth to buy the one-year subscription there is an equivalent to the MSAR for osteopathic medical schools if you go to aacom.org. So that's A-A-C-O-M org. If you go under become a doctor and click on explore medical schools, there is a choose DO explorer that you just have to give them uh, some information and then you're able to view that system. And then you can similarly filter by state institution type, so that's your private versus public, campus setting, that's suburban, urban, rural. If they accept international students, um, if they have combined degree programs, what their mean GPA is, and also mean MCAT. So I'm just looking at the profile for my school that I just graduated from Liberty University College of Osteopathic Medicine in Lynchburg, Virginia. So if I click on that profile, it tells me that it's private, non-for-profit. It includes the mission statement, which is super helpful for when you are writing secondaries and also choosing where you're applying to. The mission statement is going to be similar across many schools, but it, it's a good thing to look at. It says if they interview virtual or in person, um, if they require a physician letter for LUCOM, um, it says that it can be from an MD or a DO. I'm sure some of the osteopathic medical schools require that DO letter. It says that it's a suburban campus setting. It has a few paragraphs on the type of facilities accreditation status. This is an important to look at to make sure they're accredited by COCA or the Commission on Osteopathic College Accreditation. And then there's information about their entering class. So it says how many first years they take, um, how many are in-state versus out-of-state, and LUCOM is mostly out-of-state. There's the self-reported race and ethnicity. It says the year that's founded, if that's important to you to have a school that's a little bit more established. Then there's some tabs. It talks a little bit more about curricular offerings, so classroom, lectures, uh, team-based learning, lab sessions, small groups. Um, These are all good things that you can compare pretty well on this website to other programs. There's a tab on premedical coursework. This is going to be pretty consistent across all schools. There's not going to be too much differences there, but just make sure you're meeting those requirements. And then, with admissions, it says the application fee, if they use a COMAS, uh, when they first start to receive applications, when their primary application would be due. Uh, there's a lot of information about how they choose their first year class. So, I would definitely look at that and make sure that you include some of those characteristics in your application. And then there's a lot of information about the supplemental application. It also includes GPA requirement. And then it says the earliest time that they start accepting applicants when orientation starts. There's the the mean MCAT score, the mean undergrad GPA, the oldest MCAT that's considered. So this site is really, really useful. Lastly, there is a tab on tuition and financial aid. Definitely tuition is going to vary a lot. But I really love that there is a lot of information on this site. So if you're applying to osteopathic medical schools, I would definitely encourage you to check out that website. I am now offering personalized assistance specifically for pre-med students. I can help with editing your personal statement and your MCAS and ACOMAS applications. I will catch your grammar and style mistakes and also provide feedback on content revision so you can craft documents that make you more competitive. There are so many expensive services out there that charge hundreds to thousands of dollars on reviews, which is why I'm offering a much more affordable service with different price packages based on your needs. While many services out there are led by staff members who are years to decades removed from their experiences as pre-med students, I am uniquely positioned to help you as someone who has been through this process myself just a few years ago and as someone with professional writing and editing experience. I know what it takes to make you stand out and I know what medical schools are looking for. In addition to listening to my past episodes with tips on navigating med school applications, use the link in this episode description to learn more about the services I offer for individualized help. When you're deciding how many programs to apply to, I think this is the biggest question I get. It is so individualized because it depends on so many different factors. So first of all, there's the factor of cost. So it it costs money to apply to each school. So you might be forced to limit the number of programs that you apply to just because you can't afford to apply to anymore. So that's probably the biggest limitation. But it's also important to think about what schools you actually want to go to. If you're really interested in schools that are less competitive, then you may not need to apply to more, especially if you have a really great GPA and MCAT. So it's, it's a variable with how competitive of an applicant you are, and then also how competitive the programs you're interested in are. You want to really have a mix of schools that are safeties. So that would probably mean that you are above average GPA and above average for the MCAT. And maybe it's a public school in your state that would be a safety. And medical school is super competitive to get into. So I feel weird saying it's a safety because it still is very competitive and not guaranteed, but at least if you are above the averages and you have a tie to the area, that makes you as competitive as you ever could be. And then you can have more of a match type school or also known as a fit, where you're pretty close to the average GPA and average MCAT. You could be a little bit higher, a little bit lower, but you're in the general area, maybe within 0.2 of the GPA maybe within within 5 points of the average MCAT score so that would be more of a match. And then you have the schools that are reaches that you would love to go to the school, maybe it's in an ideal location or has a great program that you would be so excited to go to and you at least have to put yourself out there. So that might be a school that you don't meet the average GPA, you might be a few points off and the average MCAT, you also don't meet their average and you're probably more than five points off. So I would include a mix of all three. I would probably aim for half of them to be matches and then a quarter to be safeties and no more than a quarter to be reach. Especially if you have a really great personal statement and your work and activity section, then you can absolutely have a chance at getting into a reach school. So I wouldn't just say to ignore reach schools just because you're below the average. Because you have to think, because there's an average, that by definition means that 50% of the students that they accept and that actually attend their school are below that number. So it's still worth applying. If you have a maximum number of applications that you're sending out, you want to make sure you're not wasting your applications on mostly reach schools and run the risk of not getting accepted anywhere. So, I think it really helps to have someone familiar with the admissions process to look over your entire application holistically as Schools are going to do. So that's someone that can read your personal statement, look through your application, look at your MCAT scores, look at your GPA, and they will have an idea of how many schools you can safely apply to and can also give some recommendations with which schools to apply to and help you to refine your school list, especially if you are limited by cost with how many to apply to. When you're looking at how competitive you are, it does help to think about, you know, if you are finding that most schools you want to apply to are reaches, then it might be a good idea to take a gap year, retake the MCAT, or take additional classes to try to boost your GPA. Some people take gap years for other reasons, like I myself took a gap year just because I wanted to get some work experience and, and to take some time for myself before committing for another four years of school. But it also had the great benefit of also getting to factor in my senior GPA into my application and i could also have a lot of work experience that i could talk about on interviews so i didn't necessarily need to take a gap year but it certainly helped and i've really never heard of anyone who ever regretted taking a gap year so just something that i've talked about before on previous episodes but i wanted to just put in here if you are feeling really down about your numbers and how competitive you might be so typically the number of medical schools that people apply to is usually between 15 and 25 because if you're applying to any more than that then you'll likely not have enough time to complete the secondaries and and do it in a thoughtful way and there is always the option if you feel like you expected to hear back from more schools, there's always the option to add additional schools during the application season since so many of it is rolling admissions. I myself applied to 12 schools. I exclusively applied to osteopathic medical schools. I included a variety of programs that I did have a tie to the location and other ones that I didn't, but they were really great schools that I wanted to go to. So if you do have a lower than average GPA or lower than average MCAT, it might help to apply to more than that 25. But for the average and above average applicant, 25 might be a little bit overboard and you might get a lot of secondaries and not really have enough time to finish them all. And you might find that you're not even submitting secondaries for some of the programs, which I guess is a good problem to have, but then you could have saved the money not applying to as many. So really overall, this is a very individualized decision. It helps to get someone to look over your application to give you some insight into how competitive you are and how many schools to apply to. And again, with osteopathic medical schools, those schools typically look at your whole application a little bit more in depth and they will focus more on the experiences that you've had and how you're able to speak about osteopathic medicine in your personal statement and your secondaries. So, that would be more of a focus. So, I wouldn't worry as much if you do not meet the average GPA or average MCAT for those schools because they're looking at a lot more than that. I have heard of a lot of applicants who have applied for medical school several years in a row and are never accepted, and then I see their med school lists, and they're applying to the same med schools every year, and the med schools are big names, like Harvard and Johns Hopkins. And the applicant might have really great GPA and really great MCAT scores, but they're only applying to the prestigious institutions that are very competitive and that a lot of applicants are applying to. So it's no wonder that again and again, they are confused about why they're not being accepted, but they're not changing anything that they're doing. So, that's why it is so important to include safety schools and not just to apply to schools based off of name recognition. You want to do some research and look at the quality of the education you're going to receive. You can look at match outcomes, where medical students go for residency after graduating, and you'll see that there are a lot of schools that have very great match rates, and very good quality of education, but they might not have that Ivy League name. And you don't really need that Ivy League name. I am of the persuasion that that Ivy League name is really just impressive to tell your family members, and that's about it. As soon as you start as a medical student, I don't think you're going to care about the prestige of your institution one bit. Most residency programs aren't going to care either. And definitely when you complete residency and you go out into practice, unless you want to be in academics and have an academic career your whole life and do research at an institution that has that name brand too. Otherwise, your patients don't care. Your employer is not going to care. It's really about how good of a physician you are your bedside manner, what you were able to learn in medical school and residency, and you're not going to be able to hide behind your prestigious name. So I just want to encourage you to really regard the name of the institution and its reputation as not the most important factor. You need to focus on other things like how happy the students are, The quality of the education, the type of education, is it pass-fail or is it graded? Is there a system for honors? Are lectures required? Are lectures in person, virtual, hybrid? Is there a different type of teaching method that's used like team-based learning? Is there more independent learning um, versus lecture? Those are the things that are going to matter day to day and will affect the quality of your education. So it's important to reflect on what you're imagining med school to look like and how each medical school meets those needs. I think that's far more important than the prestige of the institution because at the end of the day, you're going to become a doctor. You want to set yourself up to have good work-life balance, and good mental health. So don't go somewhere that you're going to be absolutely miserable just so you can have that Harvard name. Another thing to think about is research. Think about if you're interested in doing research in your career as a physician or not. Please know that every time that you're involved in research, that's less time that you're going to have for patient care but there's a lot of physicians out there that are able to have a balance and the best of both worlds. So medical schools are going to vary widely based off of how much exposure they'll give you for research. Typically, osteopathic medical schools are going to focus a little bit more on patient care aspects than with research, but many osteopathic medical schools give you plenty of opportunities to get involved so that you can build up a really good CV for when you apply to residency and then you can seek a residency that supports research as well. So this is just something you have to look at individual programs for. Another thing to think about is tuition and cost of living in the area. I hear a lot about students who say, well, you know tuition that's just going to be a drop in the bucket with all of the loans that i have so might as well go to the more expensive school but i would argue that you know if it's a few thousand dollars difference then that's one thing especially if you do like the more expensive school that much more but tuition really does add up and especially if you have undergrad loans then it's definitely something to think about because medical schools vary extremely widely. Of course, if you really see yourself being happiest at the more expensive school, that's something to look at. But I wouldn't overlook tuition as an important factor. If you're planning on doing public loan forgiveness so this is when you work for a nonprofit institution and then you you make a total of 120 qualifying payments towards your student loans then at the end of those 10 years then the rest of your loans are forgiven this is something that if you know you're going to do then the tuition doesn't matter as much because you're you're actually going to get more forgiven if you go to a more expensive school. So make sure that's something you're thinking about. i lastly want to make a plug for osteopathic medical schools. I only applied to osteopathic medical schools and I just graduated from one last week. Most people do not care if you're an MD or a DO. If anything, I've only encountered people and patients who... As soon as I explain what a DO is, they in fact prefer osteopathic medicine to allopathic medicine, and they wonder why anyone would go to an MD school. The only time that this would ever matter is that some residency programs you will see will only have MDs as residents. I think that's really unfortunate. It's more of those historically prestigious institutions that especially have leadership who are older and set in their ways, they still hold on to the stigma against DOs. So typically those programs will not interview and will not match DOs at the programs. So if you really want to go to those residency programs for whatever reason, then maybe it is better to Go to an MD school so that you can set yourself up for that. Otherwise, we're going to see in the next few years that the stigma against DOs is going to really dwindle down. And in fact, I think they're going to be embraced a little bit more. The holistic approach, the whole person approach, looking at integrated body systems instead of looking at medicine as isolated parts. I think that's only going to become more popular. We're especially seeing the destigmatization of mental health and we're seeing more discussion about spiritual health and these are things that are just woven into the osteopathic medicine curriculum. We typically learn a little bit more about that body-mind connection and The importance of diet and exercise. We look more at risk factors. Of course, we also learn osteopathic manipulative medicine, which is super helpful. And even if you don't practice OMM as a resident and as an attending physician, it gives you a really solid foundation of musculoskeletal problems that most patients are going to have. And so just having that understanding about how the body is interrelated is really useful for any specialty. And now we're seeing that DOs are matching at more and more programs that were historically MD only. And we're seeing more DO physicians be leaders in the healthcare field, especially with You know, we had President Trump's doctor was a DO and also President Biden's doctor was a DO. So we're seeing DOs be at the forefront and many osteopathic medical schools are becoming just as competitive as MD schools, the average MD school. Admission requirements and the competitiveness is pretty much on par, especially if you're comparing new DO schools to new MD schools. So that's just my plug. I would highly encourage you to research more about osteopathic medicine. I think most of the time when applicants choose to apply to M D schools, they just aren't aware of osteopathic medicine. I was fortunate to learn about osteopathic medicine my first year of college and so I was able to join the pre Soma group the student osteopathic medical association group and learn more about osteopathic medicine and i just really identified with the philosophy and decided that i wanted to be a do but i just highly encourage you to do your research um, before you choose to apply do or md or maybe a mix of both You can follow Firstline on Instagram at Firstline Podcast or on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Firstline Podcast. Stay tuned for a new episode every Monday.